0: Hello to all our various and highly loved listeners. It is The Media Beat, number 43 with Maureen and Claire. Uh, Maureen is the head of media consulting at Arthur D. Little, the world's oldest management consultancy company, and she's a colleague of mine. And it's always nice to say hello to Maureen. Hello, Maureen. Hello, Oliver. Hello, listeners. and our very good friend, Claire Tavernier, has just recovered from flu. So she's a bit delicate, but still exudes brilliance, I would say. So uh, she's looking a lot better than she has done on her recent Be Real, uh, uh, um, Be Real um, <laughs> social media posts. Uh, she always looks great, but she's starting to look a little bit better now, which is, uh, which is nice to see. But Claire, as we know, she is a media commentator, uh, has been practical experience at very high levels in many media companies. She still does consulting uh, to keep her hand in, as well as the commenting. Um, I'm glad you're feeling better, Claire, and it's lovely to have you here. Hi, Claire.
1: Thank you, Oliver, and it's lovely to be here.
0: (laughs) And I I do definitely think she means it, Uh, but it's nice to see you bouncing back. So let us crack on. We have patch show as ever and um, regular listeners will know we like to start with a deep dive so a subject that we've touched on in previous episodes but we feel is uh, so important and pivotal uh, that it warrants really going into some of the detail and um, these are becoming you know really quite famous and uh, like I've said before um, if you have any um, examples or ideas for the deep dive, please let us know by going to our LinkedIn page. By the way, stay tuned for the Disney results, the Super Bowl, Snap, and two items featuring Jennifer Lopez in Podmojis. You will not want to miss those. Um, So what we've talked about a lot in the past is bundling. Um, putting things together and then having to pay for them, with the result that punters like me pay for everything, in fact, uh, with their subscriptions. But we've also talked about bundling strategies that consumers are starting to develop um, so that they get their best value out of the content they consume so we thought it would be a great idea uh, to go into the subject of bundling in a little bit more detail uh, starting with Claire so um, yeah as you always do Claire could you describe what we mean by bundling and how it's evolving the implications and basically all things bundling Claire
1: yes and first of all I apologize I I do sound like a proper French woman who, who smokes a pack of gitans a day Guluwa. but that's just the after effects of the flu um bundling is uh, a strategy that uh, means that you put a bunch of products together and, and, and you, you have a joint price for them it's uh, what amazon does when you know they sell you their prime video thing and you get the video the, 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 the sorry the prime subscription and you get the, the free one day delivery and the prime video and your free delivery uh um delivery which is obviously very useful uh but it's obviously uh, in the context of television and video video content it, it came up in the uh, in the cable years where cable companies started bundling services into packages and we have those in the uk's we in the uk we have them in the us where you know you subscribe to a certain package and it's got your sports channel and maybe your kids channel and maybe a couple of other interesting channels and often in those bundles, there's a bunch of stuff you're not that interested in, but you sort of take it because there's there's enough value in it for you. And that was a very successful cable strategy, which is still going on in, in, in many countries. What we've had in the last couple of weeks, and this is where we thought it was interesting to bring it up, is a number of announcement of streaming bundles. So we've talked about you know the beginnings of streaming bundles in the past. David Zaslav has talked about the fact that it would be good to create those bundles. He's from the cable world. So, you know, for him, it makes a lot of sense. But the big, big announcement came in the Disney results. And we'll go into the Disney results in more detail. But one of the big announcements in the Disney results was that Warner, Fox, and Disney, which are three of the main sports rights holders in the US, were going to launch a streaming sports joint venture. So that was a huge announcement, because together, those th- three players, I think, control about 85% of sports streaming rights in the US, so it's a very dominant position. They clearly felt that by go- getting together, they had a much better chance of uh, you know, owning this market, and there's been a lot of talk about the streamers, especially Netflix, going into sports, and clearly they don't want that to happen. It also puts them potentially in a good Position to um, negotiate streaming rights because they so, they will become such a such an important player. So that's one thing, and we'll we'll talk a little bit more about it. The other the other bundling news that happened was Freely. Freely is a sort of slightly um, weird, and we don't have a lot of details. There's a, a, an announcement from uh, the French, the the UK broadcasters. All of the major UK broadcasters, BBC, ITV, Channel 4, and Channel 5, have decided to launch Freely, which is a joint venture of, the, of, of all of the channels, which would allow all of these channels to be streamed for free uh, for users in the UK. Uh, it's not very clear whether that means that the, their uh, catch up uh, apps, which each of the broadcasters have their own catch up app will then be integrated into Freely, or whether Freely itself we have a catch-up option. Not very clear how that works with BritBox, which was another uh, joint venture between a number of channels in the UK. We really don't have a lot of information at this stage, but it's interesting that all the major broadcasters, uh, terrestrial broadcasters in the UK, decided that this was the moment to launch this, this bundle product, which unlike the sports product in the US, is likely to be free to the user. And then more uh, even more recently, we've had an announcement that perhaps Peacock and Paramount, who are two sort of second-tier streaming services, might be combining, joining forces, and provide a bundle where users can have, pay one subscription and have access to both services. So there's clearly a trend towards trying to bundle these things, and it comes from various things. One, we know that there's subscription fatigue. People are churning through subscriptions. We've talked about it. It's too expensive there's a cost of living crisis there's very little incentive to add new subscriptions so it's very hard for new for new players to come in um pick again paramount are definitely feeling this uh that's you know two either there's there's a fight for the right rights that's certainly true in sports and being able to join forces will will allow um will allow a better negotiation position but those bundles are are actually quite hard to manage and the best case well we have a couple of cases we have Hulu in the US which started as a joint venture between three three players and ended up a complete mess of governance which people are still trying to disentangle in the UK we've had several aborted projects by the broadcasters to try and come together and and come up with a product that would compete with the big US streamers and there was Project Kangaroo. There were a bunch of others. They always have funny names, uh, but none of them really worked. And then there are, you know, in addition to this, regulatory issues, especially on the sports one, where you know, if when you have a player potentially that controls eighty-five percent of the rights in a market, that's not necessarily good news. And indeed, the NFL has asked the Department of Justice to investigate that position to try and find out if they had. A recourse to make it not happen. So we don't really know where this is going. This is clearly, you know, a a big push from the various streaming parties to try and find a way to make this work from a business model. I think it's not good news for content makers because you know the, the pie will continue to shrink, and we've had a number of articles recently about about that shrinking pie. Um, about uh, specifically the you know scripted content facing a year of crisis uh, about the the streamers and the broadcasters spending less on uh, less money on on content. I think there was a, a stat that said that in 2022 there were 633 new U.S. scripted series across all streamers, and in 2023 there was only 411, I want to say, and that's. Um, that's a big drop. I mean, obviously, there was the strike, there were other other factors. But this whole getting together and concentrating the fact the, the platforms, is not going to be necessarily great news for content makers. But also, I think this is this is a, this is going to be a very tricky route to navigate for the big media companies, because we know they're not very good at joint ventures, we know they're not very good at governance. We know there are going to be a lot of questions for shareholders, and this is—I'm going to hand over to Maureen on this one to talk about the value. You know, is this really value creating? Are you really better off in this in this environment? So, lots of announcements, quite a few questions about how that will actually work in in practical life. But going to hand over to Maureen. Uh, because I'm definitely losing my voice now. few things. <laughs> well, Claire, I had to congratulate you on being uh,
2: your stamina, especially given your your poor voice. Your poor voice. So, um, but but I think there are two major points there, which I think you've um, eloquently uh, uh, touched on, quite comprehensively as well. Um, and that is the the consumer's subscription fatigue, um, and I think a combination of uh, that where people are churning and the need for both legacy you know studios uh, content creators and uh, the streamers have got to sort of figure out uh, how to get more value through their product offerings uh, to to the consumers so that the consumers actually don't switch off don't churn but actually see the value in the service so and usually and it's happened over different cycles and and, and as you pointed out Claire the cable operators have been damn good at this um, in the US, and the uh, the telcos have been very good at it, uh, working with content providers uh, in Europe and the rest of the world. So, so I think the the reasoning is 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 kind of like um, uh, quick kind of obvious now that people are taking this decision to go down the bundling route. Um, but I think you're absolutely right. I think I think the challenge here is in the execution and finding the right partners, the right commercial partners. So, um, I, I mean, I, I agree with you. There's a, there's a couple of aspects, um, and in particular, the, the broadcasters, in my view, um, uh, Disney coming out, you know, to, 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 to partner with Fox and, and Warner, um, the the obvious omissions there is CBS and NBC Universal, um, and you know that that's probably due to they do not want anything to be held up in this uh, particular venture of theirs, um, um, and there would be some regulatory issues. So there'll be some real concerns if if all of them sort of jumped into bed together. So I think I think I think the partnership selection is going to be critical. I, I think there's going to be you know cross industries, so there may well actually be similarly. As you know, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, um, more telco operators getting involved um, because they're damn good at at being able to look for uh, added value services across their sort of more commoditized offerings. So. So, yeah, I think I think a combination of um, subscription fatigue and, you know, the need to actually show uh, value added services is is key. I think I I will pick up on on your point on um, content. Uh, content spend I think a lot of that drama uh, fall off your know, 630 plus you know compared to the 400 is, is, is a big factor of the strike uh, for, for sure there was a bit of plateauing in spend um, if you look though across uh, now Disney, Netflix, um, HBO and others the spend has picked up um, but but I think you're absolutely right the allocation that's, that spend is going to Going to veer more towards docu series, non drama, non high end. So um, we wonder whether it's more drama related than it is across the board. So that's going to be really interesting. But yeah, fascinating bundling. Bundling is, is going to be really interesting. I think we're going to be talking about bundling for the rest of the year,
1: for sure. Also, I want to add something that I forgot to say. Apparently, this new joint sports joint venture is being called Spoolu. which I think. is Oh really? A I didn't see the name. name. Yes. I mean that's not the official <laughs> name, but that's what the new is terming it because there's Hulu and it's sports. So
2: it's ah, yeah. Yes. Well they've actually got they've actually got so that that they've got a year and a bit now because I think that that what Bob Iger said is that they're they're pulling together their plans and they'll launch this in the fall of so, you know, October time of twenty twenty five. And I think that would just be in time for the new sort of television sports rights. Um, but you wonder though, the timing of that is really interesting because it was just on the back of uh, the Netflix announcements of the WWE, which is a significant um, investment and a smart investment over the next five years. Um, so this is definitely, you know, let's say the broadcasters future-proofing themselves here <laughs> for, for, for for some structural changes uh, in the market. But uh, yeah, yeah, I think this is going to be an interesting one to follow.
0: It's funny, isn't it? Everything, everything you say, it's sort of like uh, bad news for the, uh, the wonderful creative people producing lovely stuff for us to watch and possibly bad news for the punters. Always good news for the business, men and women, I guess, the penny pinchers, the penny counters and the shareholders. Um, but anyway, never mind. What a fascinating subject. Thank you so much for describing it so well and the implications on business. Uh, enjoyed that very much. Yes, bundling. Uh, Who thought it was going to be so complex when the digital world was opened up to almost infinite broadcasting? Never mind. That was a wonderful deep dive as ever. Your ideas, please post them on our LinkedIn page and we will shuffle through them. Absolutely no guarantee, but the good ideas um, we'll bundle up, uh pun intended, and put into a deep dive. Next on the show, as always, it is In The News. And in the news this time uh, focuses on, uh, well, several stories. The first one, Maureen, our roving reporter, is outside Disney HQ right now uh, and is uh, just about to uh, file her report on the Disney results. Over to you, Maureen.
2: (laughs) That's a really interesting picture. I feel as if I'm going to walk hand in hand with Mickey.
0: (laughs) Under an umbrella (laughs) or something, yeah.
2: Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, anyway, so so, so Disney Disney announced that um, so in Q1 they tend to sort of uh, uh, pick up on their end of year results. So um, they uh, s- uh, astonishingly they were they were pretty good. So there was a significant profit boost, which was uh, pleasing for Bob Iger, uh, especially given in the wings he has all of the activists uh, waiting to pounce on him, in particular Nelson Peltz. Um, if he if makes any wrong turn. But actually these results were strong. Um, the financials look pretty good. You've got losses that are shrinking um, in certain areas um, and you've got subscriptions slightly falling. Um, but if you go to their uh, their earnings uh, presentation, it's, it's wonderful actually. One of the slides uh, talk about this in terms of Disney's new era of building is well underway. I mean, they really are upbeat. It's extraordinary, um, disguising the fact that actually, when you though, look in a little deeper about Disney Plus, Disney Plus Core, Disney Plus Domestic and International, um, we are seeing some fall off um, of subscriptions. So we're seeing churn, and we're also seeing ARPU, which is a bit depressed. So, um, so on the on the DTC, they still have a little way to go. Although they reckon they are everything. Um, or, or looking at and containing costs, um, which which is interesting. Um, but the two big news items, though, as 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 Claire sort of alluded to, they've got the big venture, the joint venture on the sports side, but also they made a, a significant acquisition in Epic. So I think they really want to show that they um, really are an IP intellectual property rights so an IP owner. And I think this is this is this acquisition is sort of testament to that. So they're buying a stake in Epic. So um, that was that, that. was that second piece of news, and then the other piece of news, actually, which is a third item. Sorry, I should say, should should have said there were three. Was you know, for us uh, financial nerds, um, um, it's the first time in a couple of years. Well, actually, more than a couple of years. First time since two thousand eighteen uh, that they started their share buyback pro, uh, program, and that's a really good sign um, uh, that they're really confident in their stock um, as well. Sometimes. Um, if you buy back your shares, you know you're rewarding your existing shareholders because you can issue a special dividend as well, um, or um, sometimes it can be viewed as, well, you've got a quite a bit of cash. And there aren't any interesting um, acquisition targets that you could have otherwise spent your money on. So you you can view it through whichever lens. And I'm sure Nelson Peltz has viewed it from the wrong uh, end of the lens. <laughs> um, but nonetheless, uh, three pieces of really interesting news. And, I, 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 you know, I, their their website is absolutely amazing in terms of the, the what they highlight as being their sort of high points. So I'll leave that to our listeners to go and have a deep dive on that. Um, but, yeah, significant uh, Significant results there. They must feel quite confident about um, about the numbers, um, and it certainly will stave off uh, some of these activists um, and the more aggressive activists. So, yeah, well done, Iger. He's, uh, he's 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 making some he's making some interesting moves. He's making some interesting moves, and he's containing some costs, which is kind of what the activists have been sort of putting pressure on him to do.
0: Oh, I love the that's, activists.
2: That's dis that's that's Disney for for us. Claire, I don't know if you had like a little sort of thing that you want to sort of comment on? I
1: think um, there was something on well, the Disney front. I just think it's interesting that you talked about the buyback as the third piece because I thought you were going to Taylor Swift, which was <laughs> for me. So we have we clearly have a slightly different perspective on, on what makes big news. Uh, one of the big things that they announced that they were clearly very proud of is they bought the rise to the Taylor Swift era's um, film, which we've talked about because he released it in cinemas in a very modern way, but obviously she'll be looking for a streaming deal as well. There must have been a lot of competition around it. It's clearly going to attract a lot of audiences, and Disney went after it. It's not an original production for them, which is not their usual way of doing, but it is definitely a piece of prestige content. It's also a very nice transition to our next topic, so I'm just putting it out there. Taylor Swift, over to you, Oliver.
0: Oh, right. So, oh, Taylor Swift. But before that, there's going to be some, some, there's
2: going to be some, but there's going to be some, you're absolutely right, actually. I, uh, that was remiss of me, but uh, I knew you'd pick it up though, Claire. Uh, the, the, the Taylor Swift, it's actually going to be five original new songs as well so this is a really interesting platform and footage that, that, that folks haven't seen in in any of their um, yeah. in any of the platform in any of their um the the, the shows at all so i think this is a, this is a strong move by Disney. Well, the
1: swifties will be there
2: the swifties will be there absolutely
0: <laughs> maureen you i'm surprised you talked about disney but you didn't talk about parks you always you always talk about their reliance on parks when you talk about disney yeah but the- um
2: and thank you for such a fantastic memory I, I do and and they are uh, going strong in their parks you're absolutely right I, I honed in on the areas that um, were a little bit more controversial and people had their eyes on um, especially and it was definitely DTC um, uh, where they were clearly, being put under pressure by the activists and the board and you know the general shareholders because they're losing quite a lot of money but they are um, clearly taking action I'm not saying that they're into any profitability zone yet but what they're doing is reducing the losses so that's kind of interesting but no 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 absolutely the parks are doing stonkingly uh, uh, well, I mean, and they talk about it as part of their Disney's new era uh, of, of building, but, but but tend to sort of hone in on the non-profitable parts um, and the future of ESPN. It just happens to be ESPN comes right to the forefront in their earnings reports and their presentations, whereas it used to be theme parks. Um, and that, I always thought ESPN was the sort of that, that 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 business where as we all recall they they were going to sell at one point but once they realized how valuable valuable, valuable it was they brought it back in house but yeah the parks are doing well oliver yeah, so next time you want is. to go to florida the, yeah, the, yeah. the gates will be wide open for you oh brilliant on our little <laughs> yeah, roller coaster
0: yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> yes. I used to, yeah, I used to take my nephews to a place called Cedar Point, which uh, is the most terrifying uh, and and the best uh, roller coaster park, and he absolutely fleeced my wallet and my. Um, Central nervous system, but it was worth it, it was fun. They used to love it, They're my little American nephew. So, um, yes, we've teased the next item. Um, and thanks for that, Maureen. That was uh, you're your typically um, well researched and uh, an excellent analysis. Um, with uh, the Super Bowl, so uh, my wife said to me on Sunday, oh, Are we watching the Super Bowl then? and I was like, what are you talking about? You like football. You, you've never, ever, 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 ever mentioned American football once ever in the thirty years we've been uh, dating and married. But for some reason, just just because of the Taylor effect and uh, and uh, and you know, obviously and, and Travis, the Travis and Taylor effect has made my wife interested in American football. What on earth is going on in the world, Claire? Um, please um, give us a lowdown on the Super Bowl.
1: So the super bowl was on sunday i was actually in new york it was really interesting because we were walking around we weren't watching it and the city was empty so a lot of people were at home watching the, all the shops all the restaurants you know it was uh it was definitely an event highest audience ever yes for anybody who's been living under a rock uh Travis, Travis, Travis kelsey is that his name? Kelsey, really yeah. mm-hmm. uh, know, on Travis Kelsey, yeah. You know, plays for the, for the, not for the Kaiser Chiefs. But for the <laughs> <laughs> Kaiser <laughs> Chiefs, yeah. This <laughs> is really bad. It's yeah. like, showing me up as a museum. Super Bowl. Yeah, he plays for the Stone Roses. Uh, uh, he is dating Taylor Swift, or Taylor Swift is dating him. It's, this, it's suddenly all of, well... The story goes that suddenly all of the Taylor Swift fans are watching the Super Bowl. She's great news for Super Bowl. A number of rights wing activists are calling it a, a walk conspiracy to take over the Super Bowl. There's, there's, the Americans are crazy. I say this with love. But anyway, the Super Bowl uh, was watched by at 123.4 million viewers across all platforms which is up 7% versus last year, which will make everybody very, very happy. Obviously, the very, very large majority of this audience is in the US. Yes, probably a few people were out there, uh, like your wife, uh, Oliver, but this this is very much a a US experience for, for, for people. I'm gonna say something that I've read somewhere that made me think. The Eurovision Song Contest was watched by 160 million people last year. So Super Bowl, yeah, it's big. But actually, Eurovision is way bigger. Uh, Obviously, that's across a number of countries. It's a very different crowd. It's the fact that it's across a number of countries means that it's much harder to monetize in terms of advertising. And of course, the Super Bowl audience is interesting because of that it means if you put an ad, and the ad rates you know, in the Super Bowl are the most expensive that you can buy in America, but if you put the right ad in the middle of the Super Bowl, you will have 125 million people watching it, and every one of them is in a country where they can buy your product. Whereas if you put an ad in the Eurovision, well, either they're going to be country by country, or you're going to have to find a product that everybody in all of the countries where the Eurovision is can actually buy which uh, means that you have to do a a multi-country campaign, which uh, ad agencies are famously very bad at doing. So those two things are not directly comparable, but I think it's worth mentioning that, yes, the Super Bowl is very, very big, but it's not as big as others. The other interesting thing that happened at the Super Bowl is that the storyline of it was so perfect that it's obviously going to become a Hollywood movie. Everybody wanted Kansas City to, well, everybody, A lot of people wanted Kansas City to win because obviously that would have meant that Taylor's boyfriend would would win. All the new fans, let's put it that way, were really, they started badly. They were playing against San Francisco. Uh, The whole beginning of the match, they were being dominated and then in in overtime, oh my God, it's like a Hollywood movie. In overtime, they finally scored a touchdown. And I say this hoping this is the right terminology and oh several whatever they ended up winning the game at the very very last minute oliver is laughing at me at the very very last minute in a perfect storyline taylor rushed onto the onto the field and embraced her hero and it was also beautiful she'd flown over from tokyo when she was giving a concert there was a there was a, a communication a pr statement from the Japanese embassy to the US to say, yes, they had calculated it and it would be fine. to so Taylor had the time to finish her concert in Tokyo and still be on time for the Super Bowl. I and mean, the whole thing just took on a life of its own and it was the perfect ending. So well done to them. I'm waiting for the movie on Netflix now. And um, yeah, Super Bowl forever, I guess. I don't know. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Detroit Lion fan. I'm going to say that, even though I don't know anything about this game, I'm a Detroit Lion fan. Uh, Detroit Lions almost got to the Super Bowl uh, they were one out and so I didn't care. Can I add
2: some uh, a little bit of I'm not quite if sure if this reality or insanity and I love the fact it rhymes but um, so I, I posted this because I thought it was fascinating stuff for myself but um, I hope that you'll you'll enjoy this but uh, I, I got some stats I got some stats um and 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 the particular analyst actually pointed some of these out as well that that in 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 1967 a 30 second commercial ad cost around $37,000 today or last weekend it was $7 million okay and, and that's like a jump of 185 times so if you compare right today's equivalent of what that would actually mean, it would mean that your chicken wings would cost forty-three dollars uh, wow. per pound. It would six pack of beer, three hundred and forty dollars. Gallons of uh, gasoline, because this is of course US uh, comparables, sixty-one dollar. And your US home would have actually achieved the ground heights of four point
1: two million. I mean, I mean, crazy. It does. That but that that no reflects the penury. <laughs> It it reflects the penury of very large television moments that, you know, there's only the Super Bowl now. There's, I mean, a couple of others, but it's just so much bigger than anything else. Before, there were others. So, you know, everybody was watching Friends. I'm not saying these were comparable, but they were in the same sort of range in terms of size of audiences. And now it's like the Super Bowl and everything else. So yes, obviously the the lack of alternatives is going to try the prices up like crazy, but those stats are amazing.
0: Uh, it's absolutely Incredible. bonkers. And, and yet, the FA Cup final uh, gets less and less interest in the UK. But I suppose it's, so it's the Champions League, the Champions League final that everybody's interested in. I wonder what the uh, viewership of the Champions League final is. But the uh, American football, the scale of it, is absolutely mind blowing, considering how it dwarfs the Premier League and how global the Premier League is. Well done, America, you crazy, lovely people. Uh, that's fantastic. Oh, we have another story now. It's one from Maureen. And um, the headline is snap exclamation mark maureen
2: oh uh, yes so so, so um right. so the results came out and this is another thing that claire and i are always debating and discussing and that is if you're a listed business you've got to manage the expectations of your audience and your stock market so 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 snap came out everyone sort of focused on on snap because no one really kind of knows if it's going to survive or not it's in a second tier um and and its performance was a real mixed bag Um, And strangely, um, pre-market, before the market opens, it dropped by the tune of 30%. I mean, that is staggering. That is staggering. But when you then start to unpack what were the results and why did the market react so badly, it clearly is just simply managing expectations so for example you know it had um I, i'm gonna i'm gonna talk to about two two sets of numbers here it just slightly missed its revenue by about five percent okay it, it it i mean li- literally you know 1.36 billion compared to what it said it probably could achieve and that was 1.38 i mean uh, you know n- not staggering really by way of a delta okay and then what it was what it what it had managed to do there was increase its subscribers or users I should say and all the stats associated with you know the metrics about the um, average daily users and the like and that was up um, however if you if you did a math they are obviously um, only retaining or acquiring um, new users that are, are not as monetizable so they're not they're not achieving the sort of high ARPU equivalents so um, that's that said that's why they slightly missed uh, their revenues but as you can, as you can equate you know to really you know really lambast uh, them on their stock price by a third for just slightly missing the revenue uh, forecast and you know being up on the users is quite a staggering reaction um, now i don 't know where snap is going to sort of come out of this doldrum, uh, but they clearly do need to start to sort of reposition themselves and manage and manage the market um, better than they are doing at the moment but so um they have their their profit metric is 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 not as not as great, but there's a lot of restructuring charges that have gone through, which means they actually are taking action. They are trying to get new users in. They're trying to extend the engagement. They're just not getting rewarded for it. So, so I just found it quite staggering that it is another classic case, case of managing expectations and managing the city.
1: And I think beyond the managing expectations, which they clearly messed up, it's the narrative, You know, they don't have a clear narrative. They didn't have a clear, they didn't have any stories. What we're seeing in a lot of these new sets of earnings is people coming in with big announcements. I mean, we've just talked about Disney. Disney is obviously much, much bigger than Snap. But, you know, one set of earnings, three, four, I think, in the end, when we counted Taylor, you know, four major announcements that were there to excite the market, to get people excited. We had the same when we're talking about meta. We actually specifically said Google had a problem with the narrative and didn't have the stories that were exciting the market and their result, not quite as dramatic as now, but also not very well received. I think the market in these uncertain times, they are looking for this company to tell them, this is what we're doing. This is where we're going. These are science actions that we're taking and it's not just about fulfilling the financial obligations, it's having a very, very strong strategic narrative. And it's very possible that Snap has that internally, but they did not communicate it to the market in a way that was compelling. So yeah, it's interesting. Uh, And I I agree with you, probably a little bit unfair as a reaction, but it's, it's it's not good market management. No, I agree. And, and actually, if you look at all the influencers that sit
2: on Snap, they gravitate towards Snap because they are the best. They have the best compensation program and remuneration program, Snap, compared to any of the other social media platforms. And influencers flock there for that reason. And you think, come on, you know, Claire, you and I, Oliver, we could we could we could promote it for them. You know, um, it's crazy that they're not doing that. You know, yeah, Because we the are influencers.
1: No, we, we, I and, and say, we're definitely our
2: influencers
1: we 100 we're constantly snapping away as influencers this is what we do
2: but yes. we'll get one of the influencers that's what i meant we get the big influencers yeah. we know what to do yeah. we get big big influencers yeah. Yeah. to come and talk about it the influencers don't turn up at these analyst presentations that's their yeah. product they should you know it's like showcasing your 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 you know your Procter and Gamble toothpaste. You know you, you've got to show your product.
1: <laughs> yes, and I think that you're you're very right, and this is another problem that Snap has: is nobody understands their product, nobody uses their product uh, in in the community that they're trying to impress, and and that's difficult because it's fine when you've you've got clear headwinds and pe- you know people are talking about you, but when you have a slightly more complex message. And people are like, I don't even use Snap. I've never used it. I don't understand it. That's not a great position to be in. So, yes, you're right. The show and tell was missing.
0: We're, we're too busy with our crazy, crazy antics on TikTok, aren't we, uh, Maureen? Claire?
1: Well, exactly. We yeah, are so tiktok
0: <laughs> Oh, we're so juggling cats or whatever whatever we do there. We're falling off skateboards. I don't even know what TikTok is. I don't know. Anyway, God, I feel old. Right. Uh, that was great. Oh, good story, Maureen. Great. And a cautionary tale for all of us. Uh, and that was uh, the last story, actually. So that was in the news. Which, of course, brings us to Podmojis. And the first one on the list, I think I might go to Claire on this one for some reason. It's, um, And I do not want, uh, this is a new rule, uh, just for this uh, round of uh, Podmojis. I do not want um, um, the um, Let's Wait and See Podmoji. Uh, okay, so that's that's okay. completely for the first one. That's completely ruled out. We need to have a position on this. And the and the um, the phenomenon is Sora, uh, who I hadn't heard of until very recently, which is a new OpenAI video maker. So Sora, uh, over to you, Claire, for your Podmoji.
1: Yes, Sora, a text-to-video maker from OpenAI. I haven't even been able to, to test it because I don't have the paid subscription to OpenAI, but I don't know if any of you has. It's getting... Rave reviews from tech people, less so from creative people. It's obviously an, a very strong next step in the direction of AI-generated videos. I'm not going to do the wait and see because you said no. Uh, I'm going to go with. Um, I'm I'm not convinced. This is my my Moji is not convinced. Mm-hmm. I'm going with the. The uh, but Moji, thats that's that's scratching its chin a little bit. That's kind of not a not convinced, convinced look. Think, yeah. you know, it's not. I, I'm not. I get that everybody's excited about it from a tech perspective. I still don't think it's going to replace human-generated
0: video. Okay, Maureen. Uh,
1: I I
2: think I think this is this is interesting, and and you can take a, a perspective that from text to video runway. Uh, mid-journey they're all trying to do that and you and you wonder oh my gosh this this really interesting companies um have they just been displaced by open ai you know but i but but i'm sure that's not the case at this moment um i think it's a really interesting i did take a look at a couple of the uh, the examples they they can get it up to about 60 seconds and what they're saying is and i think where the complications are is they aren't able to get realistic geospatial uh movements um they're still it's still slightly complicated in a number number of areas um it does look good i i i will i will admit so i'm like i'm 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 more sort of positive than claire um i i think uh, i think it's interesting given, given what i've seen on the with the other um like runway products and uh, and others i think it's looking pretty interesting the only thing is i think they, what they what they really will have to do is is sort out some of these issues uh, because they are competing with google's lumiere and, and others so i think there's um i think i think users will be experimenting with a number of them i don't think they'll just like drop everything and go to sora uh but i but i think it's an interesting play that that, that they've taken the market by surprise of how quickly they've come in with their text to video offering which is fascinating
0: so, I'm so we have Watcher you. with Interest, yeah. Yeah, mm, gosh, that's interesting. And yeah. we've got a not convinced yet. Okay, now that's fine. Absolutely legitimate, emojis, uh, according to the new rule book, which I composed uh, 13 seconds ago. Um, that's interesting. I was uh, I, I watched a web webinar uh, on linkedin about people who are actually using uh, these um Gen ai tools and there was a there was a designer on there and, and and the language she used was not quite accurate to describe how the products worked so I, I was a bit irritated to begin with and say well no they didn't really work like that it's not like a database it's just trained models and everything but when she started talking about how she used these tools it was really interesting and you'll have heard about prompt engineering of course which is this new art of telling the large language model uh, what you're interested in seeing and then it comes up with with uh, novel and beautiful ways of expressing that either in picture or in video and she said um, the art of prompt engineering has become a little bit more like the art of poetry in the fact that poetry is a sort of condensation of ideas using uh, sort of metaphor or condensed language to convey an idea in a non-literal sense or in a non-, in a non um, Uh, prosian sense. Uh, And I thought that was very interesting. Uh, And it it sort of lends itself to the fact that creative people who are are more able to talk in more abstract ways, uh, maybe are the ones who are going to be able to use these tools more effectively. But I thought that was quite interesting. Anyway, um, only uh, tangentially uh, um, linked to the uh, Sora product, which is both interesting and not convinced. With our panel, let's move on to something that we're all convinced about. Uh, I'll start with you, Maureen. The classic uh, Dunkin' Donuts ad featuring superstars um, <laughs> Jennifer Lopez and uh, Mr. Lopez,
2: <laughs> Mr. Lopez and Matt Damon and Tom Brady. Yeah, I mean, I loved it. I thought it was going to be so cringeworthy, but I loved it. It's wonderful, and you know, Ben Affleck is actually quite a good dancer. I mean, the whole thing where just one phrase where he says, and he's sitting in the car before he goes in and does his dance, um, he says, well, you know, she comes into my work, you know, so I'm going to go into her work, <laughs> which is like she's, which is, I think is a play on the fact that, that she's launched a new film or something, she being J-Lo. Uh, I loved it. I truly loved it. I thought it was great spoof. You know, I just—I think it was funny, and I also got got to see um, the outtakes, and that was when Tom Brady, um, uh, Ben Affleck, and Matt Damon were trying to throw a ball—the the, um, uh, the the football. The, 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 fo- the football. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, am I am I helping? <laughs> they, were trying, they were trying to throw it through a loop. They were trying to throw it through a loop, and neither Ben nor Matt Damon could could get it through. And then, of course, Tom Brady, who's just brilliant, just like. Hundred percent. Just this arm just went. Well, down, it's his job, up, down, though, up, down, isn't it? Down, I mean, down. come on, it is I know, his job know,
0: to throw know, a football. I know, I know, so when he's not being know, tackled by uh, three three hundred pound blokes, <laughs> he's probably going to find that quite easy. But even so, yeah, that, that sounds fun.
1: Yeah, but also, I I, I couldn't believe how short, short Matt Damon's is. Quite short. I hadn't realised that compared to the other two. Yeah. So There's that was a great course. story about him going to meet the captain of the South African rugby team when he did this movie about uh, the Rugby World Cup, where he was playing Francois and... And uh Francois Pinard opened the door and the apparent this is my David telling the story. Uh apparently his his eyes who were which were at like high level four François Pinard just went down. <laughs> and then uh Matt David apparently according to the story said, Don't worry, the camera can change everything. So yeah, he's quite sure. I think he he knows he's quite sure. I thought it was really funny. Apparently we're not supposed to say Dunkin' Donuts anymore, by the way, I've just checked it. I have to call it Duncan.
0: They're trading again.
1: thank you. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was very good. I, they created a lot of content around it which was very smart. so there was the main ad which was showed on TV. So there was a lot of additional content that got shared on social like the one you saw. Um, Maureen, there's a, a few other outtakes with, with, with Matt, Matt and Ben being quite funny um i thought it worked really well i thought they, they they did a really good job and i thought for me it uh, it's possibly my favorite uh super bowl ad i think they i mean i don't know how much they got paid for it but uh they did a, they did a really funny job and apparently you can buy those sweatpants now so uh, i'm going with thumbs up as a pot thumbs up well a big done fashion men
0: I thought j was quite funny. I thought she was really good at... Um, I, lo- I love that line, we- we've we talked about this. I thought that was quite... I thought that was quite... You know, he's always going, please, come on, why can't I do that stuff? You do whatever it is. Anyway, yeah, it was very good. Well done, everybody. Uh, Hollywood A-listers sending themselves up is always... It's always very cool. I think it will always, always come out looking good. Lovely job. Let's move on. Ah, J Lo still on the Pop hunt. Let's stay with you, Claire. Her new project—it does absolutely sound insane. Um, yeah, Jenny, Jennifer Lopez's vanity project. Let's call it.
1: Well, you know that's a strong word, although perhaps appropriate. She's just uh, send She's just spent twenty million dollars, film recording an album and filming a film that sort of celebrates her love story with Ben Affleck, even though a lot of people told her not to do it. And then there was a big article in, um, in Variety about how a lot of people told her not to do it, but she still did it. The reviews are, I'm going to say mixed. <laughs> a few people actually quite liked it. Most people thought it was insane and why would anybody want to do this? And who let her spend that much money on this? i don't know she had fun uh it's it's entire i'm not gonna watch it but you know good for her i guess to just do exactly what she wants which is this crazy bonkers movie about musical about where ben affleck doesn't feature really i think except being he's disguised in something else but it's um it's a musical movie about her life uh up to this point and it has Princes on horseback and animals and various other things.
0: And a pomoji Sound cherry on the top.
1: Uh, bonkers. I don't know bonkers, what's a bonkers. Yeah. Ah, there must be one. I There'll think, be one where the know, eyes are like again. The, a, a, yeah. a clown's hats and yeah, that's me. And a tongue like, stuck okay, out. Go
0: yeah. for it. you go for it, girl. Uh, from the jelly from the block, uh, Maureen exactly. from the um, office.
2: <laughs> just, just, I'm frowning. Just why? Why? Wow, I, I have to say that she's she's got into shape. She looks gorgeous. Oh yeah, she looks amazing. She looks Good absolutely amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She um, pretty much a yeah, does,
0: to be fair. Hmm. Weird. weird. Okay. Yeah, pretty similar. All yeah. right. Uh, let's move on. We're running out of time, actually. Let's go on uh, quick, uh, quick. Netflix slash Expedia. Um, I don't even understand that one. But Maureen, explain and and so, so yeah, yeah,
2: uh, yeah, yeah. Pretty, uh, like you know, oh, why not? Good, good, very good. So Expedia is a travel company. Netflix is a uh, a content uh, uh, TV film company. Uh, they they're getting together. They're getting together. They're, 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 what they they they'll what what is being labelled as a one of a kind uh, partnership that will engage, you know, ad funded. Um, ad supported um, members and branding and you know uh, Netflix would become a destination for all advertisers and advertising more broadly Expedia is great for going to you know any any place on earth so mm. yeah I think it's interesting and I, I think made to travel as I think they're labelling it as um, and it's going to be really good for like almost every country and both of them will be in those territories so fascinating commercial arrangement yeah, probably one of the kind. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Really interesting.
0: Interesting, but in a more positive light. Slightly more positive, in positive interesting light, yeah. than the yeah, Zora. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, it does sound good. What yeah. do you think, Claire?
1: I think, well, we said about, I said just before that the problem with the Eurovision audience is it's very hard to organize multi-market campaigns if you're an advertiser, because one, you need to be a global brand, and two, you need to be happy for your same message to be broadcasted to a number of countries, etc. Cetera, et cetera. This is a multi-market campaign with a global brand through a global distribution like Netflix. So from that perspective, I agree with Maureen. I think it's interesting. Whether it's a model that can be replicated at scale is less certain for me because there aren't that many expedient we don't also know details about the financials of this of this campaign but good for them for going for what they should be going which is multi-market global campaigns with global brands that's exactly the model they should be following and they're doing it so yeah good good on them is my apology i don't really know what that looks like but oh there must be one yeah good on you bro good one there's a sort of fist
0: kind of maybe yeah nice one nice one nice uh, one uh, nice one, Expedia, Netflix. Yeah, that does sound positive. Claire, staying with you, Paramount.
1: Yeah, Paramount. I mean, there's not that much to say, except the saga continues. Every week, there's a new um, there's a new potential buyer. At the moment, it's Apollo, is investment company, Apollo Global Management. So apparently, they're interested as well. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be a. We're going to keep talking about this for the whole year. So, I uh, popcorn. My popcorn, my go yeah. yeah. well, to motive for perfectly reasonable.
0: Perfectly uh, reasonable, Maureen.
2: Uh, I think I, Claire's right. I mean, every every other day uh, there's a new uh, potential bidder. Um, I think in the last two days, or, or certainly on Friday, we have an announcement that CBS, um, Mr. Brian Roberts, uh, Comcast. Is potentially going to <laughs> acquire Paramount, uh, so you have, uh, you know, Bob Bakesh and Brian Roberts in the same now. Pictures everywhere plastered uh, saying that they will get together. I, 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 I don't know. I, I mean, you know, you know they're going to consolidate. Something's going to happen to Paramount, but they're laying off lots of people, so um, they're slimming down for 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 a sale. We know it's on the market. We just is that don't a boji?
0: It's a very complex one.
2: Oh, sorry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> remember right, the, the name of the game? Do you remember, really? <laughs>
2: Sorry, I always forget. I, hate to be I a always pain, think we're in the news. Sorry, I always <laughs> in the news. I apologise. <laughs> and that's the story.
0: Uh, well, it's, it, it is quite a complicated format we've had for the last two years. <laughs> but um, anyway, uh, is there a podmoji? I mean, can <laughs> I push you at all? Do you mind?
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, uh, I, I don't, okay, can I, can I do this, Claire, Claire my Gallic Shrug? Yeah, yeah you, no, that's you're good. Allowed to do okay. That's good. Okay. Your mouth you funny. Allowed. Yes,
0: <laughs> you, you went to sort of old man mouth kind of Gallic <laughs> but it was nice. <laughs> like sort of, or, probably or, this oh, kind wait. of thing. Uh, okay, refer to the video if you're interested. Uh, Claire, um, let's come to you because it's it's something that we've been talking about a lot. So it's the Baftas. The
1: Baftas. The Baftas were on last weekend, and they were very good. I thought. I thought the the. I thought. All, it all worked. They've had a couple of complicated years, to BAFTAs, in terms of hosts and in terms of um, of big TV, big US stars not showing up to receive their awards and how do you stay relevant. They, before that, they had a controversy around BAFTA so white. I felt like the Sunday ceremony ticked all the boxes. They had a really good host, David Tennant. He was on script and like former hosts. He was funny a lot of Hollywood stars turned up. Last year, they had a conflict with the Critics' Choice Award, I think, in LA. And so a lot of people, a lot of famous US people went to the Critics' Choice Award, which was a bit of a disaster. Uh, This year, they actually scheduled it during the Berlin Film Festival, which was quite smart because a lot of them were already in Europe. So there were a lot of big names there, which is what you want to see. I, you know, didn't love all of the decisions, but I think they were fairly uncontroversial. It was good. Good on them. I think this is the BAFTAs reclaiming a place in the awards schedule uh, for the beginning of the year, which is which is important for the industry in the UK. And um, and so I'm very happy to see it. And uh, Andrew uh, Scott, well done
0: BAFTAs. Andrew Scott, your um, your favorite. How do you get on?
1: Well, he didn't get nominated, which I was really, really angry I about. He wasn't even nominated. At oh, time yeah. I've gotten oh for it now. Oh my god! No
0: no. no, no, no! I don't want to be uh, that up and again. And
1: actually, all of the strangers didn't, didn't win any prizes, which I thought was a little bit unfair. But they won a lot of British Independent Film Awards, and maybe that's the best place for them. And I, you know, it was a really, really good year for film. And I, this, is the only thing, other thing I want to say on this one, I know we're running out of time, but it's um, what I loved about this film props of this year, going back to uh, Sora, is that really none of them could have been written by AI or filmed by AI. They were all so original and so different and so personal in many ways and uh, something that had never been done before, which is exactly what AI can't do certainly at the moment. So I I think it was a very good year for film. I was a bit sad that All of the Strangers didn't win anything, but I think they're doing they're going to do well anyway. And Andrew Scott had a very stunning red carpet red look, which I urge you yeah, to go shoes, and check out. His shoes, uh, so his two tone uh, spats, did very man. Well.
0: Those two-tone spats were absolutely awesome. I want a pair, and uh, I can put Yeah, he it, was like uh,
1: he can. was that very was snappy. Uh, so yeah, I think that, I think it was a good year for film, and I think BAFTA capitalised on it and did and did a good show. And I was very pleased to see it. So and I'm going for celebration emoji. Yeah, celebration
0: emoji. emoji. Both hands up, uh, energetically done for someone recovering from flu. Congratulations and a lovely smile. Maureen, the last word is to you. Uh, quick pod emoji, jazz hands for BAFTA.
2: There we go.
0: Yeah. And that's it. And I did okay. the
2: document the documentary on Navalny was also um
0: up there. No, not that?
1: Navalny. No. Navalny won last no, year. Okay. This year, uh Twenty Days in Mariupol okay. won, which is an uh, amazing documentary, very distressing, but very important. Uh, and the guy who came to collect his award was quite sober and uh you know, it was yeah. it was it was a it was a moment that he, I think worked very well. Uh, and if you haven't seen Twenty Days in Mariupol or the Navalny documentary, actually, both of them are extraordinary. You should absolutely look them up.
0: Brilliant, and I like that. That is good to have a tip at the end as well we've done a lot of movie tips um i'm gonna i'm gonna follow <laughs> that one uh ladies thank you so much yet another bumper episode which we didn't have enough material we thought and yes we're bang over the 50 minutes as ever uh so much to say so little time thank you so much for your contributions and uh, bye for now claire
1: thank you very much oliver and bye for now and next time i hope to have my full voice back
0: Let's hope so, uh, but even, even you at like ooh, 78 85% uh, was well worth listening to. And farewell, of course, to Maureen. Bye-bye for now.
2: Bye-bye for now. Thank you. Thank you, Claire.
0: And indeed, yes. And for me as well, uh, have a wonderful time until the next one. But until then, bye-bye for now.